Hello, I'm Brian Hubbard. And I'm Lynn McTaggart. And we are What Doctors Don't Tell You. And welcome to yet another podcast and vlogcast, I think. So um, let's get let's kick off. Something really interesting, I think. And it's something that we have featured in the very latest issue in your stores right now about light therapy. Because this is a very overlooked area of... Um, therapeutic uh, aid for people. Um, there's uh, quite a bit of evidence to demonstrate it works for across a range of conditions. And uh, we want to talk in a minute, Lynn, about what is featured in this latest issue about light therapy. But I just want to kick off with uh, a new um, study that just came out, which looked at the tackling the biggest killer of them all, which is, of course, heart disease. And uh, they found that people who are exposed to just 30 minutes of blue light are showing the same uh, re responses as if they'd taken a powerful antihypertensive drug. Their um, blood pressure levels fell quite dramatically. And the arterial stiffness, which was the first sign of heart disease, started to relax. And... Um, this really could be quite significant. I mean, it's a relatively simple thing to do, very inexpensive to do, and it's also very effective. And um, what it's actually doing is increasing levels of nitric oxide on the skin, which in turn helps to protect the whole cardiovascular system. So it, it's been tested, it's a small test thus far, it's just on 14 people. And, um, but they found these quite significant effects just from this 30-minute um, exposure, and they just did it for two days. So it's two, two sessions. So it's just an hour exposure to blue light. And um, you know, it really was quite a significant improvement. I mean, the, the, interestingly, UV light has exactly the same effects, but the danger of that is that it is, can cause skin cancer at very high doses. So the blue light is the safer option. But you know, this whole field of light therapy, Lynn, is, is fascinating, isn't it? Well, and I think it's so important for us to recognize that we are energy. You know, we're energetic beings. We operate according to certain frequencies. More and more evidence demonstrates that our molecules have individual unique footprints of frequency. And there is more evidence to demonstrate that when this frequency goes awry in the body, it can cause all manner of illnesses. But lasers are being used in all kinds of ways, quietly, mm. but healing people in incredible ways. Mm. First of all, with all the muscular and bone disturbances, arthritis, muscle pain, all of those kinds of things. Uh, lasers have an incredible history of doing really well with those. Mm. But it's not just there, they're also revolutionizing our teeth. Um, lasers are now being used to clean out decay, to help with things like root canals, to make sure that they are sterile environments. And also, and actually most significantly, with gum disease. Mm. I mean, gum disease is huge. It affects, mm. you know, 80% mm. of people. Mm. And lasers are now a really eff effective way of cleaning plaque off of mm. teeth mm. and helping gums to rejuvenate. So, of course, the medical industry must be going crazy with this. Brian, mm. because, mm. you know, light is not a drug. 
Mm. Um, you need to buy a little piece of equipment, but then you've got it. Mm. Um, so this could really revolutionize it, medicine. It can, can't it? But I mean, is it still very much un, under the under the wraps a bit, under the radar? I mean, uh, how many people are doing this, and do, do you know? Well, I think increasingly um, forward-thinking doctors. Mm. People like chiropractors, osteopaths are starting to introduce simple laser products mm. that they can use to heal people who have had injuries or or have arthritis or have pains. And they've had some extraordinary results. I was speaking to one uh, osteopath who said a woman traveled long distance to come to him. She could hardly move her fingers. They were so full of arthritis. And a few sessions later, and she was starting to get true mobility. A mm. few sessions after that, and she was essentially cured. And she mm. she just goes back to him for top-up sessions all the time. So it's amazing with arthritis. But it's also having extraordinary effects in dentistry. And as I say, with dental infections, particularly those deep ones in the bone, a laser is much more effective than the usual way that dentistry tries to deal with those deep effect infections. And you can see there's actual imagery in some of the studies to show the difference in the tubules and the, uh, the whole sort of superhighway of, of um, vascular, tiny vascular connections that um, lead from the teeth and how inflamed and how infected they can be when there's a problem with the tooth and how lasers can sort it. Mm. So dentists are quietly using this right, in, okay. in out mm. pockets. Uh, <clears throat> practitioners are quietly using this stuff. Mm. And long may they continue, Brian. Right. And it's interesting um, because you mentioned earlier about gum disease, which relates to heart disease, because we know that you know, an infected gum can start the inflammatory process throughout the whole body. And inflammation is the root of many, no pun intended, is the root of many diseases, including heart disease and cancers and obviously arthritis. So really, it is very significant. And, um, you know, it just needs to be properly reviewed and studied and, you know, open the gates a bit to this and let more people try this. And because at the moment, it's, it is hard to find practitioners who are doing this. And I think it really is a very positive and very exciting new therapeutic path. Absolutely. And I've, when you talk about infections, mm. I mean, if you can use this tool mm. to kill, say, mouth infections, mm. as opposed to blasting them with antibiotics, yeah. which we know work, but cause such havoc in mm. the gut of the body, mm. this would be a profound way forward. Surely. Well, look, anyone who's interested in this should get the December issue of What Doctors Don't Tell You, holding up for the vlogcast viewers. Um, it's available in the US and in the UK. We print simultaneously in the States and, and in Britain. It's available in all the big stores in the UK and, uh, and similarly in, in the States. And if you ever have a problem finding it, why not subscribe? And that's you can do so from our site, which is wddty.com. But um, thank you for that, Lynn. I think it's really exciting new grounds of medical treatment. Me too. Thank you. Autism is a massive problem. It's an epidemic. 
um, all sorts of figures are rolled out from 1 in 50 kids to 1 in 100 kids. Whichever it is, it's an enormous number. And all sorts of things have been fingered as a possible cause of it. I mean, people just said, well, you know, it's just simply, I don't really talk like that. Do they? You know, it's really because they've, they've got better diagnostic skills and that's why they're um, discovering these cases. And I just don't believe that for a minute. I mean, the other thing, of course, that has been mentioned is the gut problems caused by the MMR that was raised and, and shot down in flames. But people are still looking for what is causing this epidemic. And there's been quite an interesting insight uh, from uh, researchers over at Stanford, who reckon it could well be to do with a zinc deficiency. And um, for mothers who are, whose babes are still in the, pregnant women, to, um, should be uh, supplementing with zinc, and they believe this would help the brain synapses of the, of the growing baby to develop better. And even when the baby is born, they reckon it's not too late to start supplementing, to just to get the, the synapses working and connecting up. Um, and indeed, they think that if uh, zinc levels can be raised sufficiently, the very condition itself could be reversed. So it really is very interesting. I mean, the problem is that no one's really researching this properly. And no one knows for sure. This is really, they think this is the case. They think it is a, a factor that explains the epidemic, but they don't really know because no one is really researching the use of vitamins, vitamins properly. And um, without that sort of research taking place, um, they can't be sure. But you know what they need to do is to take a group of pregnant women, give them zinc supplements, see what the autism rate is like in, in the babes. Similarly, take another group of uh, infants, again, supplement half, see what happens there you know what it once you know once autism has been diagnosed but you know they said this is never going to happen because no one's paying for the research so no one's going to investigate it but it does seem to be something that you know you could start helping your kids with supple give them supplements zinc supplements anyway if you are pregnant start supplementing with zinc um so yeah there's a lot a uh, lot that you can do i think to help uh, stop the, you know, the risk of autism. Absolutely, Brian. And, you know, what people have to understand, you know, lots of people say, oh, you can get all of your, all of the things you need from your diet. Mm. Well, these days you can't. Um, the soils are so depleted, even with organic food, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to get all the nutrients you need. And that's really the case with a number of minerals, chiefly two major minerals for us, um, zinc and magnesium. Mm. Now, what these guys may have discovered, because you have to ask, well, how come all of a sudden we've got this explosion? And what I think they're doing is they have discovered an outcome of some onslaught. And the outcome of that onslaught is a deficiency of zinc. Not hard because we all are somewhat deficient in zinc, but why suddenly major deficiencies mm. in children yeah. and, and causing this? And this really may hark back to the gut issue mm. because one of the things that stops you from having enough zinc is absorption in your gut. Right. And 
when we go back to those supposedly discredited studies of the MMR vaccine, the one reason that Dr. Andrew Wakefield became interested in looking into this was because so many children, he, he is a gastroenterologist, and he was getting so many cases of children coming to him with gut problems who also had suddenly just developed autism. And the timing was with both of them. Mm. And so, and I just wanted to clarify too, while the newspapers have tried Dr. Wakefield, while the General Medical Council stripped him of his license, and while everybody has sort of basically said, no, 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 he was wrong, it was discredited, it isn't discredited. The studies that have come out that have been redone, studies that were done by the Centers for Disease Control in America, um, supposedly the biggest organization to protect the public from infectious disease, um, it actually came out by one of the whistleblowers in there that they had falsified data and massaged it to take away an added risk to certain sectors of children from taking the MMR vaccine. So it was never discredited. It was just bad science. Mm. It was just manipulated mm. science. So the new redone studies do show a two and a half times risk. Mm. So I think what we really need is a medical detective, Brian, who's going to take all of this stuff and put it together and say, aha, one thing that may happen as a result of this vaccine or that is a zinc deficiency. Mm. And that detective has to be impartial and independent and hasn't been paid by the murderer. Absolutely. Okay, thanks. I remember a time when soy was the go-to healthy food, going back a long time, but not so much now. There are loads of studies coming out showing how dangerous it can be. And the latest is uh, concerning young women who are suffering from severe menstrual pains. And it seems that they are much more likely to have been fed soy formula when they were very small. And um, in fact, they're 50% more likely to have had soy formula if they're suffering very severe menstrual pains. And this is for young women aged between 18 and 22, so presumably as much as the study looked at. And um, they're also more likely to suffer endometriosis, where tissue from the uterus starts to grow outside the womb, and as well as fibroids and heavy menstrual bleeding. So I mean, it's a real worry. I mean, I don't know what this study, if it's gone further or if it should have gone further does it mean there are further problems down the line beyond the age of 22 um i don't know it doesn't they haven't really looked that far but it does raise an enormous question mark over the whole issue about women and their and their health about development of possibly cancers you name it I mean, we just don't have that information. But what do you think, Maria? Well, I mean, this was extraordinary when mm. they found that their research or earlier research had found that 60% of women who had been given soy formula mm. experienced menstrual pain. I mean, mm. that's extraordinary. Mm. What it's really all about is understanding that soy is actually an estrogen. Soy has a weak form of estrogen that... Um, can affect and interfere with the development of the reproductive system. So when given at this really crucial time, mm. it can cause problems. 
this is my worry about um, many things that are estrogens um, given to women to try to compensate for normal development, whether it is as babies or as teenagers when they're given the, the pill, if they have some problems like uh, um, polycystic ovarian disease, to um, hormones when they're going through the menopause and afterward, even natural hormones. We're not really sure what that's doing. People feel better during it, but do they need those extra hormones or are there other ways to do it? Because we can see this is profound damage, Brian. Yeah. If this is what's going on, this is extraordinary damage and it would account for the, you know, the rising element of menstrual pain and menstrual difficulties among very young women. Um, having said all of that, I mean, there are some things hopefully people can do. I mean, we cover in What Doctors Don't Tell You all kinds of information about regulating period problems. We've covered that recently. Um, we've looked at ways to, um, to overcome issues like this, immense pain. And there are a number of nutrients you can take which can counteract some of the worst menstrual problems. I mean, chiefly things like magnesium, omega-3 fatty acids, zinc, and B6. B6 is an amazing vitamin. Okay. Um, I noted this, I noticed this actually when I was pregnant with our first child. Um, I noticed all the young women were really suffering from morning sickness. They were having terrible times. And those of us who were older moms, like me, um, first timers, were taking all these supplements. And one of them was high doses of B6, 100 milligrams a day. And we were not suffering at all. Right. And so it's, that is one of the key, key vitamins to take with period problems. Mm. So if you have been given soy, that is definitely worth investigating. Mm, yeah. Apparently, it's because soy contains genistein, yeah. which is a compound that's known to interfere with the reproductive system. So that would explain all that. Yeah, and that's could, an estrogen. That's yeah, an estrogen, and so and it could be affecting more than just that, more than just menstrual pain, premenstrual pain. I mean, anything good to say about soy? Well, I think we have to go back to the way the Japanese have it. Mm. You know, we're adding it as a manipulated milk which is a denatured product, essentially. And we're putting it in soy milk and we're putting it in formula and all kinds of things like that. When you look at the way the Japanese use soy, they use soy mostly as a fermented product. Mm. They have tofu, they've got natto, uh, they've got miso. It's all fermented. And for fermentation seems to... Uh, nullify all okay. of those really bad oh, effects. So if you want to have soy, take it much more like the Japanese where you're not using it as a replacement product, mm. but it's a food mm. and it's taken in mm. essentially smaller amounts. Small amounts. Okay, thanks Lynn. Well, we certainly live in the age of chronic disease in a way that the people in the 19th century never did. Um, and, you know, we all know the reasons why, um, from the wretched food that we eat, the processed foods we eat, the air we breathe that's so polluted. 
But it's also the stuff we're spraying on our grass verges and on our flowers and what you will. And this is a matter of enormous concern because, you know, first they were saying that the bee population has been badly affected by the insecticides, the organophosphates that we use. And um, last week in the New York Times, there was a big report on we're seeing dramatic decreases in the insect population. You know, and as we live in a complex and interconnected world, we need these guys to be around. But it's also affecting us because there's a new study that's come out that shows that these insecticides are causing serious learning and tension problems amongst children. And they say there's sufficient evidence now that they are directly a cause of lowering IQ. And um, which isn't really surprising to see that they are affecting the cognitive skills of children and probably us as well, because organophosphates were developed as a nerve gas for wartime in military use. So it's not really surprising <laughs> that they're going to have the same effect on us in, uh, and um, affect our cognition, cognition, affect our learning abilities. And uh, because we're spraying them willy-nilly in our parks, our farms, golf courses, open spaces, you name it. And um, our children are suffering. You know, we fear that the insect population is also suffering. That's yeah, almost as, as serious in the long run. And um, you know, a study found that the when they did a test, they found that virtually every single American had some levels of chemicals in their bodies that came from outside sources. And um, you know, it's especially dangerous for pregnant women and the neurological development of, of their unborn children. So there we have it. I mean, it, again, it seems like no one is stepping up here and saying, you know, things, you know, human beings and health and our long-term survival matter more than making a quick buck. And I was just wondering when someone's going to say that. Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering too. But there's no question that products like Roundup, mm. which are so ubiquitous mm. in America and elsewhere, are causing major, major health problems. Mm. And this has been identified over and over again. This is a new angle on it, the whole idea that it has a link with learning difficulties. But as you say, it's not surprising when this was meant to be a nerve gas anyway. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Um, there is still, which shocks me, um, up until recently, there was still a lot of poo-pooing of organic food. Mm. Um, they finally came up with a study not long ago saying, well, you know what? Organic food is actually healthier than, than uh, ordinary intensive farming food. Mm. Um, and here we have a good reason for it. Yeah. Now it's a matter of your children's lives and their future to eat organic. And as you say, at some point, we have to shout loud enough so that the politicians, the agency, government agencies, and all of those people who have there are getting backhanders from industry, et cetera, et cetera, start listening. Yeah. That we really, it is a matter of our health and our survival. Well, the researchers at the University of California who've come up with this study are saying that it's essential 
that these insecticides are banned immediately mm. and that we find safer alternatives. Now, here's one little bit of a little bit of hope mm. with this kind of dire message. Mm. Number one, start eating organic. Number two, start taking supplements. And number three, there are some great new supplements that essentially contain things like chlorella that have been demonstrated to remove some of this dangerous stuff from the tissues, the fatty tissues of your body within a couple of months. Mm. So these are worth looking into. We'll be covering them with, you know, how to remove heavy metals and plastics. We've got a big new pollution story mm. coming up in a future issue of What Docs. Mm. And there are ways to protect yourself, and we all have to learn them now because this stuff is around us. And, of course, the other smart thing to do is there are plenty of organic um, insecticides that don't hurt the insect population as a whole and just keep them away and keep your garden or backyard um, free of them so or free of other kinds of pests so investigate them it really is important to keep this stuff away from kids yeah, when we head off to the tropics we're always told you know you, you this is serious guys we've got uh Mosquitoes who spread malaria, and malaria can be a, a lethal disease. So you've got to be serious and pack some deep with you. It's been the gold standard um, insecticide uh, since 1957, but it's pretty nasty stuff. And it comes with all sorts of health risks, of course. But, you know, here's the thing, the most amazing fact of all, it, it, it only lasts for 10 hours. So after that time, you're unprotected again. So you're all right, I suppose, whilst you're asleep, but that's about all the protection it offers. So what do you do? Well, it's interesting. Researchers took a look at this and they made the most amazing discovery. And that, that good old coconut oil, is something like twice as effective as DEEP. You know, it lasts for far longer. I mean, it doesn't have any, uh, it doesn't cause any problems to your health, not that we know of. And, um, and it also protects against other blood-sucking insects, such as flies, ticks, and bedbugs. So this is really incredibly good news. Um, all, they, all they did was get some coconut fatty acids and mixed it with a bit of water and starch and just applied it. And they did a road test against DEET to see which was the more effective. And uh, as I say, the coconut came out well on top. And they've already started to sort of plaster it onto cattle. And it's, that is actually protecting them against these flies and, and other biting insects for up to 96 hours during a very long, hot summer. And isn't, isn't that incredible? So all along, we have this amazing thing that was available to us, and now hopefully people will start using it. You know, it's so interesting about coconut oil. It's like this all-purpose gem. Mm. I mean, it's been used by women. They're now discovering that coconut oil and MCT, which is the important ingredient in it is fantastic to put on your skin as a moisturizer. Mm. Um, there's a lot of good evidence that putting coconut oil on your teeth, you know, around mm. your gums, it's a thing called oil pulling, will pull out a lot of the plaque 
you know, you need to use it for five to 20 minutes and just smear it all around uh, when it's liquid and just kind of swoosh it around your mouth for five to 20 minutes. It's really effective that way. And now we know it's a fantastic insect repellent. Mm. So it's this wonderful all-purpose thing. It's also great to eat yeah. for this reason. Um, one of the things that we're covering in a future issue of What Docs, um, our, our February issue, is all about fats, Brian. Mm. And just as a preview, um, people don't understand that when they say saturated fats, we've been they've talked about that as though it's bad but actually saturated fats they're saturated because they're saturated with hydrogen atoms and that makes an oil much more stable mm. now all animal fats are saturated but the one the one oil there's one of just several oils that are non-animal that are saturated and very stable for cooking is coconut oil mm. And when it's not, you know, when it's heated, it doesn't change. Whereas so-called vegetable oils, safflower oil, uh, sunflower oil, you know, soy oil, all of those things that need heat, light, and pressure to extract the oil because they're not very fatty, um, get damaged. So they're not very good for you, but good old coconut oil, you can heat it up, you can do everything to it. It stays stable and it's extremely good for you. Well, good stuff. Thank you, Lynn. Well, look, I think we've reached the end of our podcast for today. So go nuts for coconuts. And uh, I'm Brian Hubbard. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And I'm Lynn McTaggart. See you next time. 